This podcast was prepared, conducted, and hosted by the History Out of the Box team in their personal capacity. This podcast is meant for listening entertainment, and any views, ideas, or opinions, historical or otherwise, may not extend past the boundaries of this podcast. Conversations or specific comments on behalf of the hosts and guests are for entertainment purposes only, and due to language and potentially offensive topics, listener discretion is advised. Good morning, sunny, gorgeous Pasadena, California. I'm your radio DJ, Mr. Sunset Drive. You're currently listening to 360 PKV Sunset Jams to start your day. This next little bopper is titled Sunset at Santa Monica by Sounds Like Sander. Kick back, relax, and enjoy these slick tunes. Oh my god, I slept in again and I'm so late! I had a scheduled hangout with Edward this morning at 9am to work on the nitroglycerin-based rocket fuels we've been working on illegally and I'm over 30 minutes late! He's gonna kill me! Oh Jack, honey are you awake? Your father has been asking about you, our neighbor Dr. Emmett Brown has been asking for you! It seems as if a nice group of gentlemen from overseas are interested in buying some material from him. He's wondering if you had any... What did he call it? Uranium on hand? I'll be out in a few minutes to talk with Dad, Mom. Oh, good. You're awake. Okay, honey. Man, that Doc Brown guy's weird. I go over to his house a handful of times to help my friend Marty with some science projects, and all of a sudden he wants my contact for my uranium supply. Man, good thing I have that nitroglycerin station on our front porch to disguise the actual material I have access to. Hey there, Jack Jack Cadillac. It's me, the head of the underworld. The devil. I know you got all creeped out last night when you contacted me with your satanic ritual. I know you thought by hanging up that supernatural phone that you severed the connection, but I'm here. You're over there. So it looks like it didn't work. Isn't the devil scary? I mean, I can be. Do you want that version? No. Uh, I'm good. That thought was mental. Fantabulous, little dude. All right. I don't have much time for you, but here's the skinny. I need you. Yes, you. Not Edward. Not Marty. Not Dr. Emmett Brown. Well, actually, maybe Doc Brown. Anyway, I need you and your magnificent mind to do something for me. I need you to heavily impact the scientific community. Build rockets, invent new technology, make America build back better again. You get me? Oh yeah, I guess I can do that. Coolio. Now, one final thing. Whatever you do, do not, I repeat, do not join in a business venture with a man named L. Ron Hubbard. Total skeezball. He'll rip you off and that's tough. Okay, I won't. Alright, and we're back. That tune was definitely awesome. Again, that little jam was Sunset at Santa Monica by Sounds Like Sander. Thank you for tuning in to 360 PKV. I'm Skyler, and our next little ditty is titled The Life of Jack Parsons. Welcome to the History of the Box podcast. I am Cam, and we are here with the grumpiest co-host of all time. Me, Jen. Yeah. Thanks for selling me out right away. I'm throwing you right under the bus. Mm -hmm. 
He owes me dinner after this. Oh, I owe her dinner. Yeah, yeah it's been an interesting one, fam. Uh, we've been all over the place. We went back to the great golden state of California, looking less and less golden every day. Uh, we had some interesting stuff to do there. Our side-adjacent co-host from a sister podcast was with us. He got uh, La Sica, if you get my drift. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just messed up everything so if he's watching he probably he knows we're talking about him um yeah. but yeah as far as i can tell uh this podcast history out of the box is the only history podcast that talks about historical figures in the context that they should be spoken about we don't laud them we don't applaud them and we definitely do not uh blink or really you know get weird if they have baggage so i think i think the bottom line is we're the only history podcast period there's not one other one on this planet. Yeah, yeah it's a history fact too what we're we're doing we're doing the good work here. I know there's there's a lot of people that wish they were history podcasts to listen to. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're fear not. You found us. Yeah, fear not. Yeah. Uh, and, and honestly, I swear on all the souls of the uh, Thetans um, mm-hmm. that we 100% are the only history podcast. So who in the world are we talking about? Might as well jump right into it. Oh, a uh, strange angel indeed. I don't know why. I'm, there's a reason why I'm saying that. But there's also a picture of this person and this word strange angel above it, which is right in front of my face. So I keep calling him strange angel. But we're here to talk today about a true visionary. Actually, this was a recommendation. Shout out Mark Yono. Pretty sure that was his name. Hopefully it was all just in the little area here, if not. This was a historical figure who pushed the bounds of science, technology, and society. And his life was truly one of a kind. And we've mentioned him in two previous episodes, actually, briefly. Before he was recommended to us, we were just going to, you know, drive right over his name. And he was just going to be a side character in the L. Ron Hubbard episode and the Aleister Crawley episode. Uh, if you want to give those a listen and you haven't yet, you should. Yeah, you should. They're uh, they're wonderful episodes. And I first started the intro skits in the second part, two. Yes, of L. Ron Hubbard. Yeah. Now, and we did have... I know you mentioned it in the very first episode of History Out of the Box. We sometimes have a silly syndrome here where we um, maybe take things a little too far, get a little too silly with our too historical far. comments. Mm. Mm, maybe, maybe. No. Yeah, I think I, I think I went a little, a, a little. Uh, what would be the word? Haywire? No, I don't know. Rogue. Rogue. Yeah, rogue. There you go. I went a little rogue on, especially the Aleister Crowley one. I got some. Got some feedback. They weren't very happy with Who some cares? of the things I said. Who cares? But it's okay. I'm going to try and give this a little more credence. I really, I really want to give uh, this guy a little more um, leeway to just be himself without me judging everything about him. And that's great. I yeah. apologized in the first episode that we ever did, and I'm never apologizing again. So I'm going to say what I want to say, and if you don't like it, mm, go ahead. Are you ready to talk about do Mr. We need, Jack Parsons? Do we need mus- mood music? I mean, yeah, we're okay. going to talk about his early life. Jack Parsons, born with the name Marvel Whiteside Parsons, was born on October 24th, 1914 in Los Angeles, California. Are you over there? You're shaking your head in disbelief. What type of name? Well, let me. Well, wait. You'll know in this very next sentence why he was named that. His far his father, Marvel H Parsons, worked as a machinist in a local factory, and his mother, Ruth Virginia Whiteside, see, it was his mother's maiden name. His mother, Ruth Virginia Whiteside, was a devout Christian scientist. 
And if you don't know what a Christian scientist is, this is not the podcast where I'm going to explain that entire religion, but it is a religion. Um, I know where we used to live, there was Christian science buildings all over the place. Oh, there was. Yeah, we this music in- played every time you walked right by it down Main Street, little city town we lived. It just yeah. There's a big Christian science yep. building right Someone there. Someone would come out and be like, have you heard about the story of evolutionary Jesus Christ? Yes. The young couple had moved to L.A. the year prior from Massachusetts, and very shortly after Jack's birth, the marriage had begun to fall apart. Now, Ruth, she filed for divorce from Marvel in March 1915, so literally just a couple months after young, well, young Marvel, or Jack, as we will call him the rest of this, uh, was born. But Stan Lee was really disappointed about that. Oh, I'm sure. The marriage was falling apart. They got divorced, and he had uh, been caught. Daddy Marvel had been caught sleeping with a prostitute. And Jack's dad moved back to the East Coast, back to Massachusetts. Ruth reportedly cut off any communication between Marvel and his son, and he soon joined the military, remarried, and had another son. Uh, yeah, it was a tragic tale that unfortunately seems to be repeated in history all over and over and over again. Ruth's parents were financially well off, so they actually moved to California to be with Ruth and young Jack. They purchased a beautiful home in Pasadena, California, and it was on Millionaire's Mile, which is Orange Grove Boulevard, if you're familiar with Pasadena. And from that point on, Jack's home life was rather lavish. It's filled with domestic servants, doted upon by his mother and his grandparents. Wow. Young life, money, and love. Where will that take, Jack? I so many there's so many guesses I could probably push forward that would be relevant, but let's go ahead and continue. Due to his mother's devout religious beliefs and Christian scientist faith. Yes. Or the Christian science faith, excuse me. Yes. Young Jack Parsons grew up in a household that was placed with a strong emphasis of education and self-reliance. From an early age, he had a fascination with science and technology, and he was particularly interested in rocketry and chemistry. He spent much of his time reading. He was notably fascinated with the Arthurian legend, you know, King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table, and many science fiction magazines from the time he was a, a wee tot. Regardless of his thirst for knowledge, Jack Parsons was notably unpopular, and he performed poorly in junior high school. Biographer George Pendle actually speculates that Jack had undiagnosed dyslexia, which is so interesting to think of, you know, undiagnosed dyslexia, I think, was riddled throughout history. In some, like, oh, I, there was, um, who were we talking about? It wasn't dyslexia, but someone speculated they had undiagnosed um like a spectrum disorder, maybe some sort of autism. Was it Albert Einstein who we were talking about who had Probably, that? yeah. Uh, it's just, you know, it just goes to show that you can't uh, let these these disorders hold you back. Wasn't Albert Einstein? I, I can't No, think Tesla. It, was it? Oh, Nikola Tesla. We haven't Tesla. talked about Einstein yet. Yes, we did. Really? Yeah. No. 100%. We did, yeah, we did. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't, I don't think we filmed that one. Um, oh, you know right. Yeah, that was before we started filming. Uh, I love how the music ended on... Dyslexia. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Uh, I feel for young Jack. That's difficult. Mm. Luckily, he became friends with a boy named Edward Foreman. Who Son remained... of John Foreman. Not really, no. But, I mean, that would be funny. The girl master, John Foreman. Yeah. 
No, not the son of John Foreman, but Edward Foreman, who would defend Jack from bullies, and he was interested in many of the same. George Foreman, what am I saying? George Foreman, not John Foreman, George Foreman. Isn't John Foreman a... Like a singer? He's the lead singer of Switchfoot. Yeah, that's yeah. What I John Foreman's like, lead singer of Switchfoot. Okay, no, no, Foreman. I was thinking. You see how this goes? Like, it, this is how these. Th- John Foreman apparently is the grill master, master, and George Foreman is the lead singer of Switchfoot in my brain. So, there you go. That's why girl. we do this show. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he was defended from bullies by uh, uh, Edward, would help defend Jack. And they were interested in a lot of the same scientific y things. I dare you to grill. <laughs> Oh, he's sidetracked already. (laughs) As teenagers in 1928, both Jack and Edward began experimenting with many rockets. Oh. Yeah. Rocket fuels. They would be in Jack's backyard just blowing stuff up. And soon he built and launched several small rockets successfully. Mm. They, uh, They would read extensively on the subject. And Jack took to launching these rockets also at a nearby... A desert, the Ario Seco. Am I saying that right? Arroyo. <laughs> Arroyo Seco. We're already there, folks. You know it's a good episode Arroyo when San- I start mispronouncing Seco. everything. Arroyo Seco Canyon Desert. There, thank you. Yes, that was nearby, and he would launch rockets off there. And he was particularly interested in the work of Robert Goddard, who was considered the father of modern rocketry. And they corresponded for some time about his experiments. And believe it or not, the dog from Jimmy Neutron is named Goddard. You realize the? Do you see the connection I see, now? I see the connection. I've you known know the why? Connection. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that till just now. Yeah. That's why Jimmy Neutron's dog is named Goddard. Yeah. Fun fact go. for all the millennials out there: the Zoomers have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> now, occultism interests began early on, mm. and if we did talk about Jack Parsons in the Hubbard and the Crowley episode. You know we're going to talk about occultism in this what one. What did Jack do? Oh, we're not quite there yet, but we'll get there. You might want to hold the the music till a little later because you're going to want to save it. <laughs> we're not quite at the occultism stuff yet. What did he do? Well, he attempted to invoke the devil into his bedroom one night, and he was reportedly so spooked by the event, and he considered it successful that uh, for some time he stopped making those attempts. That's it? So far. That's it so far. But yeah. That, that held him back from diving head deep later on. But yeah. Most people dive like feet deep. Mm-hmm. They dive foot, like foot first, actually. Uh, maybe you said he head was... deep, head first. I think it would be hands first, right? When you dive? Yeah, actually. So most so people dive. Wrong. Yeah. Well, unless you're doing like the, yeah. you know, the, the, the pencil dive. <laughs> the pencil dive. <laughs> By 1929, his mother, Ruth, had sent Jack away to the Brown Military Academy in San Diego, California, due to his poor grades in public high school. But he was quickly expelled for blowing up toilets. At the Both literally and literally. He would go I mean, in there, blow them up, and then blow them up. A young boy blowing up toilets it's figuratively and literally. Yep. Yeah. After touring Europe over the summer of 1929 with his family, Jack returned back to Pasadena, and he tried his hand at university school. It was a private, liberal institution where he began to suddenly excel, where he once struggled. And he attended Pasadena Junior College, where he studied chemistry and physics. Mm. Again, you know, it's just so interesting that he was doing so poorly in school, and then he goes on to study physics and chemistry. Well, what happened is he went to Europe. The real Jack actually got left in Europe, and he was swapped out with a cloned Jack. So it's like a 2023. Are you sure if he's the real Jack? Maybe not. Yeah. He's a robot. Probably. 
This is the 30s. I do also find Late it very 20s. interesting on just a side non-silliness uh, factor association. Um, it is very interesting to me that a lot of these individuals that we talk about that tend to do these very, very strange things, they always come from like a... I don't like it's like a spoon in the mouth type of background. Mm, is that like, upper middle class? Yeah, is that is that weird to me to say? No, not really. I mean, did did Hubbard come from upper middle class? I don't remember. I don't think so. I don't know. I it's just weird. I, th- I feel like there's some just strangers. Like Ed, I mean Edgar Allan Poe, right? Like he was a he well, came he from was a really well off adopted though. Yeah, not really, not officially adopted, yeah. but. If you want to raised in read, upper milk. If process. you want to hear about Edgar Allan Poe or read the details that we included in the description, uh, you can go to the video. We suggest you listen yeah, yeah. or watch. But yeah, I guess that could be. There's something to be said about upper middle class Southern California. You know, because because you know, for me, like I didn't. I lived in California, and for the most part, comparatively to other states, I guess it would be considered upper middle class. Class, but they were we were not well off. We were poor. And when I lived in another state, uh, the coldest, one of the coldest ones in the country, we were poor. So uh, when I think of stuff like like demonology and like contacting Satan, you know what I do? I say, no, nah, fam, no. It's no. just interesting no, that a lot to. of this was centralized. A lot of the cult stuff sort of was brought to Southern California at this time in the 1900s. California's from the devil. Oh, Alex Jones. That's in why. The house. Oh, yeah. boy. <laughs> we shall move along from that. Um, so he was at. He was studying chemistry and physics at the junior college. And it seems that studying on these subjects that he actually was interested in was really triggering his scholarly attitude. He didn't want to read books about English lit. You know, that was I bet you he had like ADD or yeah, ADD, attention deficit Mm. disorder. I bet you he did because that's kind of how like when I was a kid kind of to some degree still am uh like that's how i would learn like if yeah. i'm not interested i'm, I'm not you're not gonna catch well, me it just goes so you can't one size doesn't fit all right Mm-mm. you know and it, it, it would be good to encourage strengths i mean think about kids who maybe don't do well in school but they're just like so athletically talented all the nfl superstars <laughs> not all of them a don't lot say of, that a lot of nfl superstars <laughs> but there's nothing wrong with that i'm not saying that they, they all graduated which is great i'm just saying like there's I get what you're saying. It helps to be an athlete sometimes. It really does. Yeah. It does. Coming from an athlete, it does. It helps. Yeah. It can help. Uh, so Jack, he actually started to participate in amateur theater productions as well, and he became interested in Aleister Crowley, who we've talked about, a British occultist and ceremonial magician. If that sparks any interest to you, go listen to that one. That I is a fun we, one. Did we, did we specify that he was a ceremonial magician? I'm pretty sure we did. What? Why didn't I ask what the difference was? I mean, what between a regular magician I and a ceremonial magician? I only operate magician? at ceremonies. I only do cer. I purely no card tricks. Only Wedi- ceremonies. <laughs> only ceremonies. Weddings, bar mitzvahs. <laughs> <laughs> no rabbit out of a hat tricks. We don't do that here. Actually, I think that's honestly probably the distinguishing difference. I have no idea. Doing funerals just quite recently it didn't go too well. <laughs> hmm. Tried to invoke Satan and ended up raising this guy's aunt from the dead again, would and Chris, she was supposed to be dead. You would know. Chris Angel be a ceremonial magician? Does Chris Angel like Aleister Crowley? That's a good question. Well, here's the thing: Was Aleister Crowley actually doing magic, or was he just kind of indulging? Would Zach Baggins? like Alistair Crowley. He's the world's foremost demonologist. I saw this recently on his new and upcoming trailer for his documentary that's coming out in March. Demon House. Yeah. 
hit us up. Oh, well. We'd love to go to the premiere. I've been well, you, to that did, museum a couple times. Did you did you hear that? What? There was a sound. What? Our house might be haunted. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, back to Jack. Let's yes, get back to Jack. Jack Let's get back to Jack. Yeah. Okay. Alistair Crowley. No. Oh, simp, simp for Alistair Crowley. Yes, he yes, he was. Now, Jack's family find financial situation in his family was deteriorating at that point Uh as was many people's you know after the the market crash in the late 20s yeah the 2022 ftx investment fiasco i'm talking about the 1920s but yes yeah same uh now he actually went to go get a job at hercules powder company which only fueled his interest in rocketry and when i say powder i don't mean baby powder you know no not that kind either (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> now, he also attempted to graduate from Pasadena Junior College with an associate degree in physics and chemistry, but he soon dropped out due to the financial constraints and he began working full time at that mm. factory instead. And employers recognized his smarts. They actually sent him off to a manufacturing plant in San Francisco. They paid him a monthly wage of $100, which at 1929 was a really good deal yeah yeah and uh this constant work though around the nitroglycerin it actually began to give him headaches like yeah pretty i would imagine you know i get headaches around the sun if i don't have sunglasses on i can't imagine being around nitroglycerin all the time i get headaches around i don't know if osha was really requiring goggles or anything either so it was like it was a gray area you know at the time but he actually then was saving money. So he was like, I'll deal with these headaches because I want to save money. And he wanted to go to Stanford. He wanted to go to Stanford University nearby. And uh, eventually he had to give up on that dream too. He couldn't afford it. No one could really afford anything in the 30s unless you were like the Rockefellers. Yeah, well, or the it was a rough time. Yeah. Good thing we're, we're almost or, there to the 30s again. Or the Kennedys. They probably made it through pretty... Mm. Oh, yeah. Bootleggers. Bootleggers. Yeah. Yeah. But he went back home to Pasadena. That dream of Stanford wasn't going to happen. He just couldn't afford it. So in the 1930s, Parsons actually became involved in the growing field of jet propulsion after attending a lecture with his dear friend, Edward. Remember Edward uh, Foreman? Yeah. Uh, They went to this lecture for a rocket engineer named Eugene Sanger. Eugene. Eugene. You know what? think i forgot the e but no i think it was spelled like that Eugen, maybe Eugen. okay well Eugen sanger e-u-g-e-n Eugen sanger Eugen sanger the two young men actually approached approached sanger after the lecture and they opened the door to networking which was why these lectures happen a lot of times people like to network at them and sanger started introducing them to people in the field and like these are two i wouldn't say totally uneducated but they don't have degrees they don't have much you know, behind their name, except their interest in the subject. And uh, eventually Jack came to work at the California Institution of Technology's Guggenheim Aeronautical Laboratory through networking. Mm. Isn't that interesting? It's all about who you know. It really is. Still today, that that rings true. That really rings true. If someone likes you for some reason, then... Mm, you can get a All job. All of a sudden, you're the president. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Now, here he actually worked alongside some of the most brilliant minds in, of his generation in this uh, industry, including Robert Goddard and Theodore von Karman. This was a major turning point in his career, and he would go on to make many more important contributions, which we'll talk about, in the field of rocketry. And that was both scientifically and industrially. So, Jack Parsons was 
a very, very smart guy. Yeah, 100%. Despite some of the other stuff we'll talk about that may make some people feel like, eh, that's kind of weird. I mean, or can... not being, uh, not having a, a litany of degrees behind his name. He was extremely intelligent. And a lot of the stuff we have around today in terms of rockets, you got to thank Jack. Well, it's because back then we weren't so much a credentialist society as much as we are today. Well, that, that weather balloon that was shot out of the sky By, today or yesterday, whenever eventually, that was. Eventually, yeah. That one that we let sit around for 48 hours. Yeah, that one. That you was great. You can probably thank Mr. Jack Parsons for that. Oh, well, great. Good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thankfully, if he was here, he probably would have shot it out of the sky earlier. Faster. <laughs> well, yeah. Stronger. Kanye. Oh, okay. <laughs> Way to just bring that all the way to... This is the second episode that we've referenced Kanye. It'd be secretly. Whenever yeah. I say faster, stronger, keep an eye out for it. Now, mentioning here, Jack Parsons, Edward Foreman, and a PD, uh, PhD student named Frank Molina, who was introduced to them by Sanger, became really good friends. They started working together. And they shared very strong socialist values. They often drank and smoked marijuana together. And they even considered developing a screenplay that they would sell around Hollywood and focusing on pacifist themes, anti-capitalist ideas. Again, nothing more typical. I think in my opinion, it's just so funny how there's so many upper, upper middle class people. I <laughs> lived California. in millionaire's circle and um, my parents retired at millionaire estates from listen. the, from the game of life. And I believe after living my life of having all the things given to me that we should take everyone else's things and collaborate and put them all together and then have an entity that is out of control and unchecked, control it and disperse it equally. That's literally the end goal of it. And if you want to talk about it, go ahead and reach out. We'll have you on the show. It'll be a good time. Wrong show. Maybe yeah, go wrong on show. our sister, sister show. podcast, Wolf and Bull. But I still, I was not trying to turn this into any sort of political not, commentary. It's economic. You it's can't an help economic yourself over system. There. It is an economic system. Okay, and people tend to confuse authoritarianism with uh, that, and often they go hand in hand. But oh, that's okay. Gosh. It does not surprise me. Sixties California doesn't surprise me. Let's move along. And people can believe what they want to believe. Never said they couldn't. Let's talk about marriage. We should. My dear husband over there. Now in July, he's interested in marriage. Well, kind of. <laughs> in July of 1934, Jack Parsons proposed to Helen Northrup, a young woman wait, who he had met. Wait, no, Northrop Grumman. Uh huh. The aerospace company Northrop Grumman. Is she a part of that? Do you know? No. You, oh. you can't throw me off like that. I don't know. Uh, oh, there's one P. Okay, never mind. Sorry. No. Sorry. Okay, no. Sorry. I was like, I don't think so. Sorry. That's interesting, though, but no. Interesting. No, Helen Northrup, not of the aeronautical company, the separate, completely separate. We sure? No, I'm not sure, but don't, don't take my word up. one I'm way or the other on that. Oh, my gosh. So she was a young woman that he had met at the local church dance, which is interesting. I'm not sure how that happened, but oh, whatever. Church dance. <laughs> he zips out of a portal after communicating with Satan, right? Walks up to the front of the church, knocks on the door. They see him. He's covered in the aura of the devil. Oh my he God. walks in. They don't even know. And boom, he's at the church dance. Oh, my gosh. They were married. They were married in Glendale, California, April 1935. And they moved into a home together in Pasadena. And their marriage was strained pretty early on due to Jack spending all of their savings on whatever and whatever wages he was making on rocket research with his buddies, which is a very hilarious hobby to have just 
blowing things up. <laughs> he actually would turn their front porch into a laboratory where he would manufacture nitroglycerin for extra cash. Pasadena is the Wild West, you know? The, I don't know if he has an HOA. You know what? Every single every single episode that we do on any podcast going forward just needs to have the little preface, the little disclaimer for everyone watching and listening. If we're talking about anything in the past, there were no rules. Yeah. Some, hey, what are you doing tonight? Uh, what are you doing tonight, Jack? Uh, you going to watch the game? Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I'm going to hang out with my rocket buddies and make nitroglycerin on our front porch. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> he actually pawned off. A highly explosive and flammable substance. Yeah. He pawned off her engagement ring. Oh, God. Uh, for more money to fund his research. And then he would harass her family for loans for his research. It was a rough time. I can't even imagine. He almost loved rockets as much as Grand Duke Peter loved toy soldiers. Yeah, almost. Almost. You need to listen to Catherine the Great episode, guys. He was admitted to USC for evening classes. That's the University of Southern California. Uh, for chemistry, but his grades weren't great, and he was often distracted with his work outside of school on all of his research, his front porch nitroglycerin, you know. You know, you got to start somewhere. You really do. But Parsons was asked to appear as an expert uh, explosive witness in an L.A. trial regarding a car bomb. There's a famous picture wait, of him holding up the car bomb. Wait. Yes, uh-huh. Wait a second. Mm -hmm. The police know about this? The police knew? Yeah. No, he he was he was an expert witness. Like, if you understand how the court works, lawyers call in a witness. You go to the court, they verify that you're an expert, and the the lawyers motion motion to the judge. Hey, can you you know certify that this is an expert, and the judge allows it, and then you can bring him into court. So there was this car bomb situation that happened in Los Angeles, and Jack Parsons served as a explosives uh, expert. Yeah. You know, it's and it's interesting. He helped uh, the person who was being prosecuted was actually a former LAPD detective. So the prosecutor's office brought Jack Parsons in to help convict this former LAPD guy of, for making a car bomb. Yeah, it's actually interesting that court even allowed him to appear because he had no qualified educational background of any type, which is pretty standard unless it's a very unique case that. As an expert witness, you usually need to have some sort of formal degree or certification in that field of study. That, that you is have. literally like bringing in Walter White <laughs> from Breaking Bad yeah. as an expert drug witness. I mean, that's what it's like. I mean, look, no offense, like uh, Jack Parsons, don't know much about him quite yet, but he's making explosive material on his front porch. That can't possibly be legal. He's really good at it. Oh, well, that's great. This is Pasadena. Well, there were no rules. This no was rules the forties, thirties, thirties. Yeah, there were no rules. They didn't know what explosives were back then. <laughs> this was before the uh, the A bomb, anyway. And despite his socialist beliefs, Parsons actually refused to join the American Communist Party at one point, which actually kind of frayed some of his friendships. Well, they're two different things, but sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was just interesting. That he was pretty non-political, but had strong political beliefs. He just didn't want to really associate, at least, you know, on its face. But he was actually going towards business, it seems, with his rocketry. In 1940, or well, in the 1940s, Parsons founded a uh, company called Aerojet Engineering 
Corporation, which became one of the leading rocket propulsion companies in the United States. And the, the story of how he founded the company is quite interesting. You know, that uh, doesn't oh, really fit. Uh, okay. Not, not yet. You'll know the time. Jack opened up the closet door and took out his Ouija board. What should the name be, Satan? <laughs> Aerojet Engineering Corporation. <laughs> He's got a Ouija board. He's like, where? what do I call it? A-E-R. Was that an O or a P? <laughs> I can't tell. Arpo? Arpo Jet? At the time, he was still working at the Guggenheim Aeronautical Laboratory in Caltech. And there he was involved in research on jet propulsion. He was working on a project to develop a liquid fuel rocket engine, and he realized that there was a huge potential here for his technology in the field of military defense. Did I show you the video I saw the other day from World War II in which the Germans, uh, they didn't like unveil, but it was basically reaction from American pilots when the first uh, jet, fighter jet, flew by them? No. I thought I did. Well, maybe Jack played a part in this. Probably not. It's just interesting, like the pilots on a side note, they were like flying in this. Some people may have seen this. It was a real, they were like flying the the planes and you could hear their voices, the reaction, the thing just flew by them. And they're like, what in God's name was that? Yeah, that would would freak me out too if I hadn't seen something like that. Just think of all the stuff our military has that we don't know about as just plain old citizens. Weather balloons above Montana. Montana. (laughs) (laughs) So he realized there was potential there. For some big business in the military sphere with uh, the the liquid fuel rocket engine. And Parsons believed that there was a great demand for the liquid fuel rocket engines in a lot of things, but particularly the military. So he saw an opportunity to start his own company and produce them. He began talking to his colleagues at Caltech and his friends about the idea. And they soon had a group of like-minded individuals who were interested in joining him on this venture. So in 1941, Parsons, along with several other Caltech graduates, including Frank Malin, Edward Foreman, and Weld Arnold, founded the company originally called the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, and they started working on liquid fuel rocket engines that they called Aerojet, which was a combination of the words aerodynamics and jet. There you go. But uh, this company was initially founded in a very small garage in Pasadena, Mm. right? We're still sticking at home. As many companies do start, very small garages. Uh, Yes, as we sit in not our garage, but about the same size as one right now. But uh, there, his team actually worked on designing and building their rocket engine. They had very limited resources. They had to be very creative in finding ways to get the materials and equipment they needed to build. And despite the challenges, Parsons and his team were able to successfully develop and test their rocket engine, which they quickly gained a reputation for their innovative work in such a small amount of time. They were just brilliant. And in 1943, JPL, uh, the abbreviation for the name of this company was given a new name this time the aerojet engineering corporation and it began to grow rapidly and it gained a reputation for expertise in rocker propulsion specifically and it soon began to receive contracts from the u.s government as was the goal from the very beginning what was that movie um war dogs yes great movie you like how I knew what you were thinking immediately. Yeah, it has yeah. nothing to do with rocket propulsion, but basically... Has everything to do seen, with government. Has to do with government war contracts. 
private companies bidding on them in that movie you have miles teller and uh what's the other actor's name from super bad what's his name oh my gosh i'm blinking he's so great too oh i'm sorry if you good job (laughs) i don't remember his name i'm blinking on his name regret (laughs) he's so good too dang it regret I'm going to remember it like in the middle of speaking later. Just scream the name out loud. Oh, geez. Yeah, he's in a lot of movies. I can't think of his name. Oh, oh he's so good in that movie. Uh, hey, Sorry, dude. Oh, well. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a lot skinnier now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway, okay, okay. Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, I can't think of his name. All right, whatever, Jumps, whatever. It's a great movie. Street. War Dogs is a great movie. <laughs> what the? Is his name <laughs> you're gonna kill me oh my gosh hold on wait wait wait. here go ahead here i'm uh jonah hill see jonah hill all i gotta do is play the satan music and immediately you know what it is oh okay all right war dog great movie <laughs> so jack parsons just like they do in war dogs began getting u.s government contracts for his rocket propulsion and in private companies as well started interacting with his company aerojet became one of the leading rocket propulsion companies in the united states played a critical role in the development of the american space program from that point forward so you can thank jack for a lot of the pictures on you know the moon and space space pictures a lot of the pictures on space and the moon because they're both flat discs maybe yeah uh, big Just deal. Kidding. Big they're deal. Not, they're what not do... flat discs. I, that was a joke. I yes. I'm being facetious. Okay. He's not a flat earther. Don't not worry. Not a flat earther. <laughs> <laughs> the company quickly gained a reputation. Um, and I already said that. So I'll just say Great, it again. A double reputation. You know, I think <laughs> I mean, at this point we should probably take a commercial break because uh, Jen, Jen needs to Jonah fathom. Hill, Jonah Hill threw me off. All right. Commercial break. Start thinking about Jonah. Commercial break. And we're back. Uh, Jen and I just finished watching War Dogs. It was great. Uh, I then got we, some coffee. Yeah, we. it was great. We watched War Dogs. And then from War Dogs, we went right into 21 Jump Street. We didn't do 22 Jump Street. And then after that, we watched The Wolf of Wall Street. Jonah Hill was in every single one of them. Um, and the other guy you mentioned, Miles Teller, was in only one. So Yeah. I'm back. Sorry, guys. I had a I had a moment like a little what we call like a brain fart. And then I got thrown off and I started just repeating the same thing over again. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So well, we're going to get right back on track. Aerojet Engineering Corporation. OK, it was government. Contracts. It was really they did a really good job, didn't they? You would say they were experts. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. What are you looking for? What the, are the word words? you repeated twice. What did I repeat? See, she doesn't even know. Where is this? <laughs> reputation. Is, they have a great reputation. Yeah, yes, they do. They have a great reputation. Double, triple, thruple the reputation. Used in early American space missions. That's where I Never left, left off. Anyway. Including the Jupiter C. Robert used to launch the Explorer 1 satellite. So, pretty big deal. That is really cool. Yeah. Now, let's talk about the occultism. We're finally getting to the good stuff. Oh, are you doing some music? Harsons, Mr. Jack. He wasn't just interested in science and technology. Okay. He was also a deeply spiritual person. And he became involved in the secret society, which we've talked about in previous episodes, called the Ordo Templi Orientis. I hope I said that right. Yeah. 
We're going to call it the OTO for the rest of the times I mention it for my own sake. The auto. I'll say OTO. But yes. The OTO was a group that believed in using ceremonial magic to achieve spiritual enlightenment, and Parsons became deeply involved in its rituals and practices. We uh, have talked about this in previous episode with Aleister Crowley. His interest in the occult was born of his interest in Aleister Crowley. He was, Jack was really, really into, you know, this, this public figure. And the OTO focused on something called the philosophy of Thelema, which was founded by Crowley. Uh, if you really want the download on all of that, go back and listen to the Aleister Crowley episode. Thelema, Thelema, Did I say it wrong again? No, that's how I say it. The llama. Oh, the llama. The lima, the llama. I think it's, it's the lima. It's but... the lima. Jack and his wife were initiated into the OTO February of 1941, and he became an active member of the group, eventually founding his own chapter of the organization in Pasadena, California. And he believed that the OTO's teachings and practices, which included ceremonial magic, sex magic, the use of psychoactive substances, that would achieve spiritual enlightenment and a great understanding of the universe, which is not too different from a, a lot of the practices that people do who do not classify themselves with OTO specifically. So, I mean, am I wrong? (laughs) <laughs> it just seems like a snook. I, I don't. I said this in the Aleister Crowley and the Elmer Hubbard one, and it says the same could be said for like other theology where people just kind of like get together and like group. But this seems like a thing that people kind of get together for to just like party. Um, I mean, I guess it depends on person to person. I think there's a community aspect of it that's pretty important. There's with, community. With anything religious hey, organizations of you any type cannot spell party without y and guess what is also in community the letter y it all makes sense now it's all connected it's all connected. i guess my point is it just seems like you take away all the magic well remember you know like his, the word magic it's ceremony <laughs> getting together we're not sex, doing rabbit out of the hat, hat tricks okay and drugs yeah just, just you tailor it you can tailor it to make it more religious you know <laughs> Remember, his mother was a very devout Christian scientist. And Jack actually believed the principles of science, which he, you know, loved and he studied, and the principles of magic were fundamentally the same. And that the He's power, not wrong there. Perhaps not. And the power of the mind could be harnessed to achieve scientific breakthroughs. That was sort of his belief. Mm, okay. And some, I mean... I'm no expert in any of this. I'm getting so the secret vibes. There's, yeah, I, from my personal view of this, I can see lots of correlating kind of tendrils here with some of the stuff that's kind of popular today. Like, you know, secret manifesting stuff. I don't know. It's not exactly the same. Look, I already said it. I'll say it again. I'm not an expert in any of this. So Are you I don't an know. Aries? A Virgo? Oh my gosh. Do you believe that rocks can heal you? Again, the music works. Not not an expert in any of this, but there's certain aspects of all of these spiritual things. And that it's kind of all they, thrown together they, in a bowl. There's a lot of 
similarities with everything. But Parsons also believed that the OTO teachings would help him achieve success in his professional and personal life, as so many people who are involved with basically any religion believe. He also saw that the use of ceremonial magic, he believed, would gain greater, he would gain greater, greater control over his own mind the minds of others. Oh, okay. All right. And yeah. okay. Uh, achieve yeah. wealth, power, influence. So this is this is kind of this is again along the lines of another individual who happened to be maybe 30 years after this who liked to lock people in his apartment and make them into zombies. So now we're trending into a whole Whoa. Yeah, I know. We're trending into a very similar What it's always about control, you know? That's what it is. Why why human beings they love just want to control everything. Yeah. Like Mm. It makes everything boring. Well, Jack Parsons lived in a two-story home in Pasadena, spacious yard, had a laboratory in the basement, and he would conduct conduct experiments with rockets and chemicals there. And he had a very distinct house. Apparently, it was Spanish colonial revival and Art Deco styles. Wow. You know, so typical California. <laughs> Knowing I've I've lived there for most of my life, so I'm familiar with the style, but. Um, his home was the epicenter of social activity in his life. He would host parties, <clears throat> frequent gatherings. Eyes wide shut. <laughs> not quite. Are you sure? I mean, I'm not 100% sure. Magic. Sex. <laughs> Entertaining friends, colleagues, and of course, members of the OTO. So I would be surprised if it wasn't. Just saying. By June of 1941, Helen had left home for a period of time. And encouraged by the OTO principles of sexual promiscuity and some... Some aspects of it. There's always... Uh, yeah. Well, Jack began a sexual relationship with Helen's 17-year-old sister. To which, upon Helen's arrival back home, the sister proclaimed that she was Jack's new wife, and Jack admitted that he found his sister-in-law more attractive than his wife, Helen. And, um, yeah, I, I'm sure... At first, you might think this doesn't sound too great. And I, I'm assuming Helen was a little conflicted at first, but she was in the middle of this nasty mess situation. And I don't know. I'm going to say that maybe the behavior of things going around her was affecting how it she was. It was cult-like. Yeah, maybe. Just spit it out. It was cult-like. <laughs> she began a relationship with another man, oh, right. uh, Wilford Talbot Smith, who was also a Thelemite, so he was in the same group, and the two couples remained friends. That's great. I'm sure it wasn't complicated at all. I'm sure it didn't mess up any of their kids either. Anyway. Oh, well. They and other, other Thelemites, they actually lived together in a communal situation, and there was some children there. You know, that's... I'm going to go out on a limb and say it probably wasn't the best situation. Uh, they all paid about $100 a month in rent, and they slaughtered their own livestock for food. They had uh, blood from the livestock available for rituals. Again, I'm not an expert at the OTO. From what I saw, they did these weird rituals that weird, in my opinion, rituals with blood. They used the blood of livestock. Uh, Jack actually donated almost every dime he made to the OTO. Like he was very dedicated to it. Well, was it an, so, an actual religion? Um, was it filed as a religion? From my understanding, ooh, you're asking too hard hitting questions. Well, here's who she started the OTO, right? He didn't start the OTO. He started a chapter of it. Yeah, so he's the Pasadena. head of a chapter in Pasadena of the OTO. And yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure if it was qualified as an actual religion. Or well, not. if it was, the reason I'm asking is for tax write off purposes. Yeah, that's a good question. 
If he's donating all of his money, I'm not 100% it's basically going sure. back in his pocket. And then he's getting tax write-offs. That's a good question. And for anyone listening, I suggest you find out, is the OTO a qualified religion at this time in Anything America? Anything can be a qualified religion if you work and believe hard enough. Speak- if you walk down the yellow... If you walk down the yellow brick road and you believe hard enough, anything can be a religion, especially in the United States of America. Yeah, well, speaking of exactly what you just said, let's talk about Jack Parsons and Eleron Hubbard's relationship. Oh, great. And remember, remember, we've mentioned that 17-year-old sister before. Yeah, we did. Sarah Northrup. Hubby Dubby Dublard. Yes, we did. Jack Parsons' wife's sister, who's now his girlfriend, GF lover i don't know new mm. wife in in religious term but not actually legally just uh, a child that's being abused by an older adult yes yeah yeah pretty much that mm-hmm. is the bottom line so as you can imagine despite his success parson's life was uh, not without controversy as we've gone over with some of the oto stuff many of parson's colleagues actually they were wary of his interest in the occult. They tolerated it, kind of qualifying it as a quirky little eccentric thing that Jack Parsons had going on, but he kept inviting them over and talking about it, and it made some of them uncomfortable, as you could probably imagine. And the U.S. Naval officer, uh, L. Ron Hubbard... (laughs) Technically... Yeah, sure. We've talked about Ernest Hubbard. goes to the Navy. <laughs> um, if you haven't heard, we uh, we did two episodes on Elron Hubbard, and they were uh, quite fun. They were fun to do. Well, let's put it this way: if Elron Hubbard can walk around being a naval officer, I can walk around calling myself a doctor. Well, yeah. Well, he literally was a naval yeah, officer. He literally used an island as target practice. It's true. Yeah, without the consent of any of the other people within the Navy. He just was like, ah, fire. This looks like a whale. Shoot it. That's what he did. Wasn't it a log? I don't know. I can't remember. It wasn't the brightest anyway. Oh, he thought it was a submarine and it was like a log. Yeah, well, if Tom Cruise would get out of it, it would just die. So hopefully it does, but never know. Again. I normally root for things in a positive light, and that's one of the things that I'm rooting against, so... U.S. officer, U.S. Naval officer L. Ron Hubbard became a close friend of Jack's when he joined the OTO. And we talked about this in Hubbard's, I believe it was episode two when we started talking two-part about episode, yeah. Yeah, uh, Jack's girlfriend and sister-in-law, Sarah Northrup. They were in an open relationship and Sarah became enamored with Hubbard. <sighs> And Jack was very jealous. He was very jealous. He started reporting more and more paranormal events at the time because he was getting like really paranoid. Um, he said it was because of the rituals that being performed and he was irritated with Sarah. So he would hear screaming banshees and orbs and apparitions and disembodied voices. Like he was just reporting more and more. Wait, of these he, things. Didn't, he didn't hear that originally. He's hearing more now. Like his really? rituals were really starting to get active. Interesting. Results. Wow. What did he him. change? I don't know. But Hubbard and Parsons, they co-founded a company with Sarah and Sarah uh, to purchase yachts. And they would oh, sell yes. them for a profit. I remember this. We talked yes. about this in Hubbard's yes. episode. But Isn't this like embezzlement? Yeah. Yeah. So what happened was Sarah and Hubbard went out to get these yachts. Yeah. And they like went to sail them to sell them. And I think it was Miami. And they basically swindled Jack out of his entire life Mm. savings. 
And Jack never took any further action against Sarah or Hubbard because Sarah threatened to report him, rightly so, of statutory rape. Yeah, well. And the rest is history. So Jack Gonna have to bleep that out. Uh, But yeah. I'm sorry. It's okay. I mean, I, the fact that we have to bleep, bleep that out is crazy because it's a well. We can't talk. We term. can't talk about things that are serious at all in any of these platforms because none of the people running the platforms want anybody to know about anything. So, well, right. So something terrible happened to Sarah, and she was going to rightly report him, but she, she used was abused. It, she she used it as leverage to get away with uh, yeah. with Hubbard and the money, and she did go on to later another um, marry Hubbard. She was his second wife. Nice. Um, and he was still married legally at the time too. It was a mess. These yeah. these people. They were messes. They were messes. We all are messes in our well, own way. Yeah, but this well, one was particularly yeah, messy. Some people are some people are Jackson Pollock level. The Church of Scientology, which was founded by Elleron Hubbard, um, actually maintained a press statement at the time that Hubbard was sent by the US Navy to destroy Parsons Black Magic Cult in Pasadena. So that was their stance at the time that that was why he was there in the first place and took Sarah and What do they think of the US Navy? That would be a really what do, they, what do they think the U.S. Navy does? Does it does it listen to the 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 Sea Orc? Is that what they is that how the what do they think? I don't know. Really very interesting. I'd love to know. You know, ask the right people. Well, no, I don't want to ask the right people because then they won't stop showing up. So, yeah. yeah. Well, in the 1950s, Jack Parsons was suddenly being investigated by the FBI for his involvement in the OTO. Remember his colleagues and a lot of people he associated with with his work were kind of concerned about his you know religious background and activities so he was also being accused of being a communist which was a pretty big deal at that time in america yeah Uh, a lot of people were accused of being communists and and it would kind of screw up your life whether it was true or not so yeah there were there were some that were yeah not a lot but there were some the fbi at that point had a long-standing interest in the oto and other occult groups that were popular at the time and they were considered a potential security threat due to their connections to foreign countries and association with communism. Mm. Um, if you remember, uh, Alistair Crowley actually was, uh, he went to Europe because he left America because it was kind of crazy. And then he got booted out of Italy at one point. Yeah. It was just, it was a really big deal at this time in the world with some of this occultism stuff. So this was devastating for Jack when he realized he was being investigated and he actually had FBI clearance before this working on the Navajo missile program. Remember, he is a renowned jet propulsion scientist. Yeah. Like he helped America and the military do a lot. He of knows all the secrets. Stuff. Yeah, he yeah. knows all the secrets. So he was stripped of his FBI clearance because of this and his behavior and communist sympathies that he may or may not have had. Who knows? Um, but the FBI received reports in the late 1940s that Jack was involved in subserv- uh, subversive activities. These reports included a 16-year-old boy. Warning, this is going to get horrible. A 16-year-old boy who said he had been assaulted by members of the OTO Lodge where they lived. And neighbors accused the group of actually performing a ritual where a naked pregnant woman jumped through fire. Okay. Uh, Whether that was true or not, I don't know, but it was not something that I would ever guessed would have been the ritual. Remember in the Aleister Crowley, there were accusations of cat. uh, Yeah, doing stuff with cats. Uh, Did 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 she make it through the fire? I'm assuming so. There was no reports. Okay, cool. Gotcha. Yeah. 
there was just some stuff going on that was squirrely to a lot of people who were, you know, kind of shocked. Right. So, uh, and who knows how much of this is real rumor, real exaggeration, you know? So there was no official evidence to back those claims up. So the FBI actually conducted surveillance on Jack Parsons and his associates because of this. They collected information from a variety of sources, including his family members and his friends. They interviewed Jack multiple times. They asked him about his involvement in the OTO, his political views, connections to foreign countries. They searched his home, his office. They seized a large amount of personal and professional papers, letters, diaries, other documents. And I imagine that's pretty scary. Like <laughs> all of your stuff being seized by this the is, FBI. This is one of those like between a rock and a hard places for me. Because at one side you got Jack Parsons, who's very clearly a part of some sort of occultish group. And as we have dived into before, they don't exactly... Um, cross all their T's and dot their I's when it comes to treating people uh, normally. So yeah, well, uh, he's there. And then they've got Uncle Sam with the FBI, which we all know how incredibly truthful they are. Um, knocking on his door, invading full of integrity. his... They, they are full of integrity. They are the most integritous. It's not even a word. Um, invading his space and taking his stuff. And I'm here... And honestly, I don't know how I feel about this. Well, the investigation into Jack Parsons was a facet of a much larger FBI operation known as the Occult Bureau, which targeted various occult groups and individuals That'd involved. That'd be a great movie. That'd be a great movie. I think there is a movie that called the of, Occult Bureau. Not the Occult Bureau, but there is a, a movie about Jack Parsons. I think it was that angel thing I said in the beginning, mm. but we'll, we'll talk about that. I think at the end. But the investigation into Parsons was one of the most extensive and prolonged investigations of its kind. It lasted several years, and Jack was never charged with any crimes uh, involved in any of this with this investigation. But the FBI's surveillance and harassment, as expected, caused him a great deal of stress, huge amounts of anxiety. Um, I can't even imagine. Yeah, no thanks, no. I don't think I've done anything squirrely like that, and I would be... I would, just, I would be like questioning every single thing I've ever done in my life. Being like, yeah. I hopped that fence when I was 12 and they finally figured it out. Ah, like, <laughs> that one fence happened to be adjacent to Area 51. Yes. Oh, yeah. These controversies coupled with his increasingly eccentric behavior led to him being blacklisted from the scientific community. And again, I'm just a personal thing right here. Like does eccentric behavior really have to qualify whether this brilliant mind that was creating like a huge amount in the science? I don't know. I don't know. It depends on what we define as eccentric. Yes, exactly. If they show up, as I've said before, in a, uh, on some other episode where it was with a, I think it was with Hubbard or it might have been Crowley, where you show up and you're you're you know you're doing the whole what's what's James Charles? You order the pink drink. Oh, pink drink. Yeah, yeah. that's eccentric. Yeah, sure. Oh, I'm so eccentric. Oh, I do all these crazy things. Wow, like uh, mm. like oh my god, like Becky, like like all the girls with their like the teenage girls, like oh my god, she did a flip. Oh, you're so crazy. Like that's yeah. eccentric. Uh, having a pregnant naked lady jump through fire <laughs> is uh, not eccentric. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's like well, of all the things I would think. 
that's like second only to skydiving. Yeah. Well, you know? the scientific community did not like some of the stuff they were hearing about Jack, including being investigated which, for communism by the FBI. Which, in the defense of Jack, to play devil's advocate, a lot of them do that stuff anyway. Yeah. So is this a, you got caught and now we're exercising you from our in-group of weirdness? Well, here's or? the thing. Scientific communities are not... Um, they have so many principles. So many. They're not free of clicks. Yeah. Is that is that, you know, okay to say? Sure. Sure. All right. Well, additionally though, this may be be more of a relevant thing in my opinion to blacklist someone over, but he was heavily heavily not just marijuana and alcohol, but he was abusing all sorts of drugs, cocaine, amphetamines what amphetamines amphetamines i Ampeth- see i'm so familiar with drugs i can't even pronounce them, you want me you to see. you want me to say these peyote i can say that one mescaline sure opiates opiates okay see yeah, guys again, um, i'm sorry not worth blacklisting mm. they all do that <laughs> well i guess that's all true. of them do that listen i'm just like this guy was a rocket scientist Look, as long as he's not killing people coming from the tech industry it's way more prevalent than you think. Way more prevalent. Well, and look, I I did think people look do what you want to do. Uh, don't invite me. Um, do you want to do? But at the same time, it's like uh, you guys kind of all. Well, do also, that. don't be doing that while working with nitroglycerin and making a rocket. There's things that could happen. <laughs> yeah, don't do that while working with nitroglycerin or the housing market or anything to do with medicine. Yeah, well, you all tend to. Not just the drugs, his sexual escapades were ah. kind of escalating. Um, he eventually actually paid. Well, let's not say this word. I won't say it. Yep. He paid for his friend's girlfriend. He impregnated her, and so he yeah. took her to a clinic to... Um, and his <laughs> friendships with that person, with the, the boyfriend of this, was obviously deteriorating. He's shunned. He's shunned at this point by the scientific community. And some were actually supportive of Jack. They believed that his work in rocket propulsion, like I've kind of been saying, was maybe a little too important to be overshadowed by his interest in the occult. And they defended him against the accusations made against him. They believed that the FBI investigation was unjustified. And again, there was some pretty terrible accusations, but there was no... um, Besides his word, which the 16-year-old boy, which is pretty important, uh, there was no other evidence to charge him and convict him. So they were like, this is ridiculous. And however, on the other hand, many members of the scientific community could just not overlook this. They were concerned it would have a negative impact on his work and rocket propulsion if he kept being involved with this stuff, which turns out it did. A lot of people know Jack Parsons for the occult stuff and not for the fact that he is can be largely thanked for a lot of the scientific um, breakthroughs we've had today in the rocketry world, so to speak. Um, and that his association with the OTO was seen by a lot of the scientific community as a uh, poor judgment. Mm. And it also led to security concerns. This is a very intelligent, intelligent man who is creating these incredible assets for the u.s military who could be compromised by foreign countries who have communist interest or drugs or drugs which yeah so his reputation was severely severely damaged and jack parsons was no longer able to receive government contracts 
he his funding for work in rocket propulsion was basically evaporated and he had difficulty finding work in his field after this i mean everyone knew who he was and no one really wanted to touch him and the decline in his professional career began and it really never took off again regardless of his groundbreaking contributions in rocketry and leaving the scientific community jack parsons fell much deeper into the occultism after that he finally divorced Helen. They had been going back and forth about this for a while. And he married Marjorie Cameron. What? And uh, I didn't talk about it earlier, but there was some uh, rituals that he did with her in the past. Yeah, yeah. They they had been sleeping together for a while. But um, I can't show this if you're listening, but we'll I have it, it here for who's watching and for you looks over like, there, Cam. Looks like a... Marjorie Cameron made a painting that she says depicts Jack Parsons as the angel of death. Not going to lie. That angel of death kind of looks like Adam driver. Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. Kind of looks like Adam driver. It's basically this big picture of, of Adam driver with wings. <laughs> with wings. <laughs> it's literally Adam driver with wings. It's a that pretty, looks it's exactly a, like Adam driver. Oh my gosh. It's a pretty scary looking picture. I which mean, I don't think Adam driver is scary by the way. He's saying that because he knows I like Adam driver, but thank or, you. Or, more. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, she drew this. So they they had an interesting. Um, I don't know. What would you call this outlook? Well, he she did. I mean, I, I don't really know what that painting of Adam Driver <laughs> would really symbolize for their relationship. Um, because like I get like the theological, like the the um, blasphemy uh, with the hands, the palms, and the whole thing. I get that, but like. It's also Adam Driver, you know. <laughs> well, it was a wild ass hair day. Yeah, yeah. Jack Parsons. We're getting into his end, his demise. Unfortunately, he died on June seventeenth, nineteen fifty-two, one day before a planned vacation with Marjorie to Mexico, and he died in an explosion in his home laboratory. The exact details of the incident are unclear. But it is believed that he was conducting an experiment involving the handling of a rocket and its fuels when the explosion occurred. And it's also stated that he had been working on this project right before his vacation because he had received a late order from a film set and was working quickly to get it completed before he left home. Parsons was horrifically injured in this explosion he actually died because of those injuries only 37 minutes after the explosion he was burned over much of his body, uh, he suffered severe trauma, including broken bones, internal injuries. His right forearm had been amputated. His hole had been torn into the right side of his face. He tried to communicate with the ambulance once they arrived, but they just he just couldn't get anything out that was... <laughs> uh, what would be the word? They couldn't understand what he was saying. He couldn't speak because his face was blown <laughs> open. Yeah. It, <laughs> bottom line. It yeah. literally... Guy had two mouths, couldn't speak. Uh, sad. Yeah. The exact cause of the explosion is, again, unknown, but it is believed it was an accident, not a suicide attempt, um, mm. even though some people stated it might have been, but it doesn't sound like it was. It was, was probably caused it? an error. Don't say it. You can't say it on YouTube. I know what you're about to say. 
But yeah, some people also thought he might have been unalived by someone else. Mm. Right. Mm. But um, no, it's pretty it's pretty widely assumed that it was an accident, unfortunately. Who investigated it? LAPD. Okay, cool. They always go. It wasn't the FBI. Right. <laughs> they didn't show up and be like, yeah, we guys, here's all the... <laughs> we'll inc- take over. Here's the incident report from this perfectly curated uh, gallon plastic bag. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe. Mm. I wasn't there, guys. I don't Look, know. the guy handled nitroglycerin on his point. front porch, so it was bound to happen. But he also handled nitroglycerin on his front porch, so it was bound to not happen. Guys, we're just speculating, but who knows? Mm-hmm. When someone's investigated so heavily by the FBI, not charged, and suddenly they end up dead. Who knows? Unalived. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, definitely. But all wasn't. I know is the official record was it was yeah. an accident. Official record. Before he went on vacation outside the country. Random the next order day. from a film set group late. I don't know. I don't Unannounced. know. Here's an order. Hope you finish it in enough time. Oops, we accidentally kind of gave you a bad order. It wasn't that. Who's they? We? We don't know. Well, mm. regardless of any speculations we may I'm have. I'm not saying the C word. I'm just saying it seems fishy. Mm. But not really. He Jack, probably made an accident mistake. Yeah. Well, at least On behalf officially. of someone else. <laughs> at least officially he, he mistaked himself unalive on behalf of someone else jack parson's death was a great loss to the scientific community regardless of them you know blacklisting him at this point it brought an end to his work on developing liquid fuel rocket engine and his mother ruth this is pretty tragic she immediately overdosed on barbiturates when told of his untimely death yeah you remember he you know she was just so devastated and he was a, why are you laughing? You are awful. You are so awful. Why are you laughing at that? Did the FBI? <laughs> Gosh. Ruth had nothing to do with that. I'm sorry. It just popped into my head. It's just an FBI guy. Here's the official report. Uh, you go ahead and run with that. <laughs> you laughing at that is literally horrendous. It makes me uncomfortable. Oh my gosh. It's also kind of funny. Jack Parsons' legacy lives on today. His contributions <laughs> to the field of rocket propulsion. Oh my gosh. You need to be put like in timeout over there. You're awful. Just Jack- imagine them sending an FBI guy around like Amazon. Just. <laughs> His contributions to uh, rocketry are widely recognized. Uh, rip he, Ruth. Yes. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Mama Ruth. He is considered one of the fathers of modern mockery. <laughs> Stop <laughs> laughing. His life was more than just science and technology. He was a true visionary who pushed the boundaries of what was possible in so many different areas of life. And if the OTO helped him with that, we don't know. He pushed boundaries. He was... <laughs> Oh my gosh. Jack's remembered for his unique and colorful personality. Whether the occultism throws you off or not, we do have a lot to thank Jack Parsons for. Look, I'm sorry for laughing. I'm also crying because it's so tragic. (laughs) (laughs) But with that being said, honestly, it it is really tragic. I'm I'm purely laughing because the imagery of the FBI sitting around just some intern handing out official reports on what happened is actually quite hilarious it is it is it is Uh, an interesting thought that like he had such uh, 
his story and his career is kind of incredible that he yeah. was able to do so much without having to go through the the schooling that is typically involved with um these crazy well things. now i mean uh, like look i think the thing that gets me is it's because of credentialism because of accreditation which is great those are things that we need because i mean on the opposite end of the spectrum is you've got this guy doing great things for the rocket community and then you got dr death you <laughs> yeah, know carving people's <laughs> just backs carving open. people up so i yeah. mean there's there's the alternative right so yeah. i guess my my thing is like it's just interesting looking back on these things you know silliness aside um and seeing someone who could have and still today you can be just in a different way as successful and as influential as he was even though he was also likely probably um doing weird things with the the auto convention <laughs> the auto convention <laughs> he's going to like the local like what would be where would you have a convention at a convention center <laughs> yeah there you go that's what i was <laughs> he's like a, he's at the What's he's the one in the, Anaheim? He's at the Anaheim Convention Center where they have like VidCon and stuff. He's they're having. Wait, where am I going? Like an OTO conference? Just him and five other people. It's Alistair Crowley and Elleron Hubbard. Pregnant lady running through fire. Um, but yeah, no that that was that was interesting. I honestly, I, I as much as I do think that uh, this painting of Adam Driver is really cool. Um, I honestly. Do hap- I happen to enjoy this one, even though I, I, I think he's still of the same group of person well, as there Crowley is, and Hubbard. There is the TV show, what I wanted to mention, called Strange Angel, and it's a historical drama. Um, I don't think it... I think it only ran for like two seasons, Gee. but it's called Strange Angel. Um, it's all about Jack Parsons. Mm. So um, I don't know where you would find that today. It was on CBS. Discovery Network. Just, just probably look. I'm, it was canceled after two seasons, but I'm sure well, you can he, find it somewhere. There's only so much. I mean. Well, it focuses all on his life. Um, he's an interesting guy. Yes. And here's the thing: I, this is just me personally. I look at pictures of him, and he was like very he was good, good looking. looking. He's yeah, he a good looking, looking dude. I don't know why someone would pick L. Ron Hubbard over him. I mean, that's oh, like God, no, dude. L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> Unfortunately, L. Ron Hubbard didn't have. Didn't have, look, he no, wasn't a no, look, no offense, a guy. but Elron Hubbard kind of looks like one of the lead singers from the Star Wars um, Tatooine, you know, little bar. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, he could oh fit gosh. right in there. Like, he could really fit right in there. So, between, I mean, him and Jack Parsons, it, it there's no competition, in my opinion. Elron uh, Hubbard, all the way. Um, but mm. I, I like this guy better than Hubbard. Hubbard was kind of yeah. A, I don't know. Something about Jack Parsons <clears throat> just seems a little more. Um, it's almost like a weird, a weirdly endearing. He really, from what I was like reading, was like I was, I didn't agree with a lot of the stuff he was you know? obviously doing, but I was reading about him. Like I could see this guy being your weird neighbor. Like he was like a, like that. Was, you're you're kind of like he's odd. He's, he's like odd. Doc but, Brown in his younger days. Yeah, hanging around with kids. <laughs> no one can really explain why. No one knows why. Gets in trouble. I um, also, I also like. I understand that the U.S. government was freaking the f out about communism at this time in the history. Should have. Yeah. Okay. I'm just saying. Like, there's also a lot of um, whether it was legit or not. There seems to be a lot of lives that were kind of really, really Mm -hmm. destroyed by some of the stuff going on at the time yeah. in terms of just speculation, <clears throat> accusations. Well, you want to, you want to talk about, you know, what something, I mean, you want to talk about an example of the daddy, daddy Warbucks in the sky, uh, 
Uncle Sam, um, and not doing a good job of something is is that. That's a prime example amongst all the other things that are out there. Save your the save your opinions um, for your for your. But you can just point to that the the red podcast. scare the red scare. Incident yeah, it was, was just it's just interesting, funny. and especially since um. They really focused in, I think, a lot on the scientific community. Anybody who's in the scientific community who had any sort of um, sympathies for any sort of communist or even socialist ideals were really speculated at the time because they could be poached by another country and mm-hmm. off you go. You're making you're main, making bombs and jets and main rocket guy goes yeah. to the Mao Zedong. Oh yeah, wouldn't that be a good time? So it's interesting and a tragic end, a very tragic end for a renowned scientist who we have a lot to thank for. So yeah, that's Jack Parsons, everyone. Yeah, that was an interesting one. Uh, on a scale of uh, one being on a scale of I don't like to ten, um, ten being I can tolerate. I uh, give him a six. Okay. That's pretty good. A four, Who's your a least favorite we've done? Was a, it Ale- I give him a 4.6. Was it Alexander the Great? Was that your least favorite? You really didn't like him. I really didn't like Alexander the Great. Yeah. Like, he wasn't that great. He kind of sucked. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. Uh, he, yeah, no. He, the, the, Vlad, was, Vlad the Impaler was kind of... Kind eh, of yeah, he was, he was just kind of straightforward. He impaled a lot of things and <laughs> killed lots. Of not people. until he was in his mid-30s, though. Did a though. lot of killing and a lot of impaling. Um, mm. uh, uh, yeah, I would say Alexander the Great's not has not been the best. I really liked Catherine the Great. That one was entertaining. Um, yeah, and, and this one was okay. This one was fine. I liked it better than, uh, better than Crowley. I still think Crowley is a wet fart baldy. Um, well, our opinion. next episode <clears throat> is going to be on someone who doesn't have the most, um, specific detail about his life, but he's really interesting and I'm going to fill it with a lot of historical context. I'm really excited about that one. Well, very cool. We yeah. will be, uh, doing that soon, but yeah, uh, I don't think I asked, uh, beforehand, but if you happen to like our content, go ahead and give us a subscription. Uh, we have a new episode every week, mostly, most of the time, um, on Tuesdays, audio wise, Wednesdays, video wise, uh, and you can find our Instagram history of the box, right down here uh and yeah the subscribe button will be right over there but yeah uh thanks again for tuning in and we will see you next week bye hey there cam here and i just want to thank you for spending some time with jen and i today if you like the episode and what we're creating for you here at history out of the box please give us a follow on instagram and a five-star review on spotify and apple music this helps our podcast grow and allows our team to continue doing what we love We appreciate your support and we can't wait for you to hear the next episode. 